Hi, everyone. Welcome to Catholic On Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation. Each week, we have the chance to connect with you about the latest health news and information within our community and the region. And on today's program, we'll see where COVID in our community currently stands and if the relaxing mask requirements has impacted the level of transmission. Plus, this time of the year is thought to be March Madness for basketball reasons. But the month of March is also an important month for new doctors. It's when they learn where they will spend their residency training over the course of the next three years. Why is that important for our area? Well, that's because Catholic Regional Medical Center has a family medicine residency program, and eight soon-to-be-minted physicians recently learned that they will be coming to the Tri-Cities to be part of the Catholic service. But we begin with the latest on COVID-19 with Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health District. Heather, what do things look like as we speak today? You know, things are still continuing, <clears throat> excuse me, to go in the right direction for the most part. We're looking at seven-day um, rates uh, now. And so when we look at seven days for Benton County, they continue to drop uh, 44, roughly 44% from the previous week. Franklin County did have an interesting increase over the last seven days, and we'll certainly keep an eye on that and see if we can maybe determine what's happening. But just like we've said all along, if we start seeing this trend over a period of time, that's when we get concerned. So we will definitely be continuing to watch what's happening in Franklin County. But then when we look at our, um, you know, like I said, our hospitalization rates are down uh, significantly over the last week. For people who are hospitalized due to COVID, that's down by 15%. And those people who are hospitalized with COVID is down by 35%. And then let's go and look at what's happening in the test sites. And CBC West, over the last 14 days, they did 956 tests, which uh, had a positivity rate of 8.26. So that was down by almost 3%. And the Richland test site is seeing a similar in that over 14 days, they did 355 tests with a positivity rate of 6.25 and a decrease of 1.84%. So, you know, again, certainly heading the right direction, but with the lifting of the mask mandates happening only recently, I think time will tell what will happen in the long run. And it, and again, like we've said time and time again, this isn't is this isn't the time to let your guard down and think COVID has gone away because it certainly hasn't. And we are also, you know, continue to watch what kind of variants are out around the rest of the world and seeing what might be coming our way in America. So we must still be vigilant. You touched on, and, and, and I know you've always urged perspective and context when looking at data, but you can't help but think there may be a correlation between the lifting of the mass restriction and the increased cases, at least. But why would Franklin County be a lot higher than Benton County? So any way to explain that yet? You know, I think until we're able to really look at the data carefully and in detail, it's, I would hate to um, surmise why it's that way. Uh, data comes in at varying times. We will see data slow down and speed up. And I think that's why, you know, I look at it with a little bit of caution and not wanting to jump to too many conclusions right off. But certainly lifting of the mask mandate, could that have something to do with it? You know, certainly always possible. But at this point, it's just a little too soon to tell exactly why that data is the way it is. And again, I think as you have alluded to, as you summarized all of the, le the recent, most recent data, 
is you have to look at it in the aggregate. And when you add the hospitalizations and the test positivity, uh, I know the, the other bright side, if we are seeing an uptick just uh, for whatever reason, maybe with the Omicron being that less severe, it's just these mild cases if, if we are indeed a little bit of an anomaly. Right. If we see increases, but if, but if it's of the less severe variants of, of COVID, then, yeah, people are going to get sick. People are going to be uncomfortable. But we really want people to look at that hospitalization and what kind of stress it is uh, causing our hospital environments. And so far, so good. Our hospitals are heading in the right direction. And I know, I think the number I saw at Cadillac today, it was six in the hospital, and they have been in the single digits consistently over the last uh, week or two, which is great news. And and I was sharing with you before we came on the air and doing some research for today's shows, I, I, I saw a statistic uh, that should make all of us happy, and it was cited by an infectious disease expert back in the Midwest where he said we are likely at or approaching the lowest number of severe COVID in the U.S. since this all started. And I guess that it, that is why the, the hospitalization piece, right? Right. Um, we're seeing across the nation significantly lower rates than we've experienced for many, many, many months now. And that really is evidenced by what's happening in, in our hospitals. And again, the less severe uh, variant of COVID is certainly... A, the Omicron, which is uh, still at very, very high rates in the U.S. You have always cautioned us, even as we start to uh, come out of this pandemic, that uh, we will not hear the last of these variants. And I keep reading about this so-called extra contagious version of the Omicron that has hit the U.K. And again, we seem to follow a few wakes as far as when it hits the U.S. Is is it uh, basically inevitable that it might find its way here? Well, it has certainly already made its way to the U.S., and we'll continue to watch it to see if it ends up becoming the predominant strain, how quickly it becomes the predominant strain. But I like to look at variants kind of like I do trees. Um, People need to understand that you have maple trees, and there's a lot of different variety of maple trees. Well, the same thing is true with viruses like flu or like covid You can have a lot of different maple trees. They're still called maple trees, but they all survive a little differently in different environments, and you have to choose the correct tree for the environment you live in so that it grows healthy. Well, that's kind of what viruses do. They're all COVID viruses when we're talking about COVID, and the variant means there's just something different about it that makes it act a little different or maybe be a little easier to spread or a little um, worse disease. So I kind of like to look at it as, as trees when I think about variants when I'm explaining that concept to people. So given the areas that we have just discussed, what is your takeaway message for our listeners today? You know, I, I think the takeaway message once again goes back to all those mitigation strategies that we've learned throughout the last couple of years. Don't let your guard down. Understand that COVID is out there. You may be a very healthy person who catches COVID and it's pretty inconsequential to you. But we do continue to see people get COVID and die of COVID. And we know that wearing masks when you're going to be in certain environments is extremely important. We know that vaccine is important. Even if you've had COVID, there's very strong evidence that you still need to get vaccinated because it does add to that protection. And then the component of testing, 
we have really good testing equipment now. We have our two sites still and access to all those free home test kits. So put all of those strategies together so that you and your family can stay as healthy as possible and keep looking at what kind of variants are showing up because unfortunately COVID could certainly um, make an interesting change and we could uh, unfortunately have a much more lethal, much more problematic variant roll around in the future. So don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. That is the message of tonight. And Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District, as always, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. And uh, we're down to one segment. We're slowly working our way out of COVID. And I do want to let our listeners know, as we move through the spring and summer, we're going to continue, hopefully, to progress with COVID so we don't have to spend the entire program on it. But we still want to continue our partnership with the health district on a regular basis on whether it's uh, updates on COVID or other important health-related issues uh, that the public health department provides for us. So, Heather Hill, thanks so much. We'll talk again next week, and we'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610-KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610-KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now, back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. And one of the key challenges facing healthcare organizations like Cadillac is to meet the demand for health services across its system. This includes within the hospital setting and at outpatient clinics. Cadillac has worked very hard over the years to increase access to care for patients, especially in adding new physicians and other advanced practice providers. Cadillac has a family medicine residency program where doctors spend three years working and learning and upon completion, launching their careers as physicians. Today, we get the opportunity to meet two new Cadillac residents who will begin their training this summer. First, we want to get you some great context on the residency program itself from one of the lead faculty members of the Cadillac program, and I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Natalia Luera, who is the Associate Program Director of the Cadillac Residency Program. And Dr. Luera, the first question, it's March Madness for people like you and new residents for many different reasons and for people like me. Please explain the March Madness in the physician residency field. Yes, so we definitely have a March Madness, and (laughs) fortunately, our madness went well. (laughs) So it's quite a complicated process, and so we call it the match. And so individuals who are about to graduate from medical school, they enter into this match uh, process. So whether they want to go into surgery or family medicine, they have to become part of this match process. And so they interview at various places that they would love to do their residency program in. And so they, at the end, rank how well they liked a residency program, then all of the programs will actually rank how well they liked the individual uh, candidates. And somehow within all of that match madness, we end up <laughs> with our residents. <laughs> and I know, obviously, to become a physician just takes a lot of effort, time and study and commitment, and you name the adjective. But obviously, it's a huge time because uh, to become a physician takes so much work, but that this is the next three years of that, and when they're done, then they're full-fledged physicians. So so that match process is really a, a grueling process. 
it very much is a grueling process. But rewarding. Um, very rewarding. Obviously, medicine is a very rewarding uh, specialty and field, and I certainly have no regrets, you know, from from <laughs> my standpoint. Um, but it, there is quite a bit of time invested, not only the four years of medical school, the three years that individuals will find themselves in family medicine, um, but the whole entire interview process can be quite lengthy. So for our own residency program, we do interview between October and February. And so for our own program, we interviewed over 100 individuals for that time period, just for eight spots. And you so touched it's on, competitive. I was going to say, mm-hmm. eight spots. And, and again, it's a, uh, the attractiveness of, the, I'm sure, the community and, and all of that and the, the program that Cadillac has. Is, and it's a relatively new program, just less than 10 years old. But talk a little bit about what they will do. What, are, what is a residency? So they'll, they'll actually be seeing patients in clinic, right? Yes, that is correct. And so they'll have their own continuity clinic. So because they are physicians, they've earned their MD or DO degrees, they're able to see their own patients. It's under the guise of a fully-fledged doctor. We usually call them attendings. And so faculty members such as myself, we've completed all of our education, and so we are able to help them through the process of their own education. And so every year they gain more experience, more knowledge, uh, more confidence so that they can eventually become attending physicians like ourselves. So when you are in there with a with a an attending, as you call them, as their mm-hmm. their proctor or their 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 faculty yes. leader, so they're actually seeing patients, and you're just there and consulting with them. And and I'm guessing the first year that probably can be a challenge, but by that third year, they, they, I'm guessing they're very proficient. Absolutely. They are very proficient. I'm very proud of how our residents have progressed throughout their years. And so all of us faculty are there to guide um, their medical plans, to answer questions like, what is this rash? And to, you know, help them, you know, with a good treatment um, plan. So certainly we're there every step of the way, whether or not a patient sees us attendings during those appointments, but we're always there to listen to the resident physicians present their plans and make sure that it is a solid plan. And I know, as you said, it's a three-year program, so each year there are eight new residents that enter into that three-year residency. So is it every year now that there are eight new physicians coming out at the conclusion of their residency? Yes, that is correct. So we have eight physicians every year, and many of them decide to stay either in our local area or the Pacific Northwest. So as you've mentioned, it was really important that our residency program truly provides a pipeline for our community as well as nearby communities for all of those uh, physicians that we need. And I know, obviously, the reason that Catholic began this uh, a few years ago was this area is is a obviously it's growing like crazy population wise and as a result that increases the need for access uh, to care and so it's all the more important uh, as, to produce new physicians and as you touched on hopefully they will stay within either Cadillac or in the Tri Cities area. Yes, indeed, that is our goal as a residency program to make sure that we are um, educating 
uh, physicians within our own area, so hopefully that they can stay. And this year, fortunately, we've had quite a number of uh, resident physicians, once they graduate, decide to stay in the local area. So we're very proud of that as a faculty group. I was going to say that was my next question, that if you're producing, you know, eight a year, roughly, that mm-hmm. uh, you're hoping that as many of them stay with Cadillac, and if not Cadillac, at least, as you say, in the region. And talk a little bit about, if you could, before we just have a minute or two before we let you go, what makes a good physician? Sure. I I think a person who is able to listen to their patients, that's number one. You have to have a caring heart and also always want to read more and understand what is happening to the patient. So I think those items really are important for having a wonderful physician. And I would guess with, you know, especially the, the, obviously the smarts and all of those things are are huge and the dedication to becoming better and all of those. But but as you mentioned, just the basic communication skills and the rela- human relationship skills to, mm-hmm. to show interest, is that what you try and teach? Oh, absolutely. Um, we, we try to also teach the art of medicine. And, and that's where the communication skills come come in. And so, I mean, and, and also to make sure that we're always learning. So it doesn't matter if you're just a year out or 10 years out. Always learn. And, you know, certainly that art of medicine is still in the process. And, of course, always need to have that love of medical knowledge, too. I want to take you back to when you did your match day. Mm-hmm. Um, I got had the opportunity last Friday to attend when this group of eight got to find out and meet the teams that they were coming mm-hmm. to, to be. Take us back to what it was like for you. I'm sure uh, all kinds of emotions. Oh, for sure. It's very nerve-wracking because the match process, you don't know until you open the envelope. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Interesting. you know, it's... It's it's a very scary process. Fortunately, the um, opportunity to find your right match as the applicant is a lot stronger. So there's a lot more uh, influence that the applicant has in choosing their spot, but it still provides a lot of angst. And so I was a very fortunate person <laughs> who ended up in the right place for herself. I, I want you to just take a final 30 seconds, if you would, mm-hmm. for our listeners uh, listening to this broadcast or via podcast later. Mm-hmm. What What do people need to know about why it's important to have what's called a residency program? Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, as you already mentioned, that our community is is growing. And we also see that across the nation, the, the need for physician for physicians is great. And so we really need to have a residency program so that we can continue to educate more and more physicians so that we can meet the need for primary care, especially. And as you said, it, you just don't snap your fingers and create them. It takes a takes a lot of education, a lot of uh, work. Absolutely. So through college, through medical school and residency. So it takes a lot of dedication for individuals and for their faculty members. Dr. Natalia Luera, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to get to meet two of your new residents in the second half of our program. Back with that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. 
Welcome back to Catholic on Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation, and we're talking about the new the Family Medicine Residency Program operated at Catholic Regional Medical Center. And just this past Friday, the Catholic program learned of the next group of eight physicians who will be spending three years to complete their family medicine residency. And we are fortunate to have with us one of those eight people that will be coming here this summer to spend time taking care of patients and finishing their work to become full-fledged physicians. And we're pleased to be joined by Dr. Sarah Fielding, who is joining us tonight from Spokane and will be graduating from the Washington State University Medical School this uh, later this spring. And uh, she will be coming down to begin her residency here in the Tri-Cities. And first of all, Dr. Fielding, thanks for taking the time to be with us. I'm get it. Is it a sense of relief having this match process all figured out and know where you get to go? Oh, gosh, yes. It's just so nice to have the box checked and to know, you know, where where the rest of my, my future lies. And it's been fantastic. And thank you for the lovely introduction, Jim. And it's nice to meet you. Well, it's great to meet you. And, and I just am so impressed when I get to meet all the, the, the physicians uh, that, that are coming here to do their training. And, and in your case, uh, you're familiar with this area. You grew up in Sunnyside, I understand, and WSU undergrad, Cougar Medical School. All the, all the best, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it checks um, Cadillac and Tri-Cities check so many boxes for me. I yep grew up in Sunnyside and then later lived in Yakima and WSU undergrad there, and then back to WSU again and here in Spokane. And so Eastern Washingtonian by heart. If you don't mind sharing a little bit about your background, uh, you're telling me you have a family, you have kids. Uh, how do you do it? Well, <laughs> my, my husband's my rock, I'll be honest with you. He is absolutely amazing. We've been together for almost 20 years this year. Um, and yeah, we've got three kids together, 14, 12, and 9, and live with my sister and my nephew. And you know, they are super supportive, handle a lot of the practical things so I can focus on school. Um, and part of it's just being really organized and, you know, everyone's got a job and we all stay on task and just working together. And my kids are super understanding and very patient, resilient, amazing individuals. And so I love having them be a part of this. Um, I think those are big things for me, having them. Uh, it's not something that happens around them, but they've been a part of this since the beginning. They went with me to WSU for the second look after I interviewed there. You know, they got to meet some of the faculty and the teachers, and I got to watch them interact. And it was, okay, this is a great family space. They're going to be supportive, and my kids are going to be comfortable here. And I feel like that's also going to be the case down in Cadillac, and I'm very excited for that. And I was going to say, if you have children, uh, they provide you probably some on-the-job training, so to speak. But uh, talk a little bit about how you came to going to medical school and, and chose a career to become an MD. Well, kind of a long story, so I'll do my best to shorten that up a bit. <laughs> okay. No worries. <laughs> I Thank you. <laughs> I actually graduated from nursing school with my bachelor's in uh, nursing from WSU in 2012. Mm -hmm. And uh, I worked in Yakima. And when I worked in the ER there, I just I had these amazing providers who were great mentors. Um, 
And I would always ask questions. Oh, my gosh, for the questions. I, I just was never satisfied with a simple answer or, you know, those kind of things. And I kind of got the eyebrow twitch, like, you need to go back to school and do something. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and learn how to answer those questions myself. Um, <laughs> wow. And, and uh, so, you know, just did a little bit of exploration and looking at all the options and kind of what I thought would be the best fit. Um, and part of it's for what I want to do. I want to be very involved in my community and and help, you know, establish programs and leadership. And, and th- so there's a lot of kind of, I think, lofty goals I probably have for myself. And so I think this probably fits the best. And so, yep, WSU was starting their program at the same time. And my husband and I really talked about it. And I was like, okay, so I got to go back to school for prereqs because nothing I had prepared me for medical Ah, school. So I... So you're so went back for that. Well, that, and so you're, and you'll be finishing in May. We start. I think you start what in in July. I believe these residencies officially start, and then, man, and I'm guessing just a couple of minutes left. But I'm guessing you touched on if you worked as an ER nurse, I'm sure that has incredible uh, help in in helping you become a physician that you can apply, obviously, to being a doctor. There are, yes, yes, I would say there are big parts of it that are super helpful, um, being able to talk to people and kind of sit down and relate and educate, and, and that's been super helpful. Um, learning some of the doctoring bits has been a challenge. You're changing from one mindset to another. It's all part of a very holistic team, and when you get to see two sides of it, you're like, oh, hey, I got a better idea of actually how this works better together. And mm-hmm. so that's really cool, and I love um, the fact that I've been able to learn that, and I can share that and pass that knowledge along. For our listeners, uh, going back to the day you had your match and found out you are coming to the Tri-Cities in Cadillac, I'm, I'm guessing the relief that, for one, that you found out where you get to go, and two, that it's close to home. But just maybe walk us through a little bit of the emotion of, of finding that, of what you felt, and the pride that you feel. Oh, my God, so excited. I felt so excited. And, yes, so much pride. Um, And I was just absolutely thrilled. Cadillac was my top family medicine pick. I felt like it was just going to be the right fit for me when I interviewed. And I am just thrilled, excited, Um, yes, relieved, because now my life is laid out for the next couple of years. Sure. Three years, actually. Um, And, yeah, just like, and, you know, Cadillac's got this great reputation, and now I get to walk in and be a part of that. And so there's also this responsibility to help uphold that, and I'm I'm so excited to be a part of um, the Cadillac family. And and during your WSU medical school training, did you, I I think, doesn't, Cadillac is on some of the rotations, so did you get to come down here and work within the, the Cadillac setting already during your medical school work? I did not, actually. I'm in the Spokane cohort, but I've got a number of classmates who I believe did do some of their rotations through Cadillac, and I always heard great things from them. So between now and then, uh, <laughs> you, uh, finishing, you're almost done. So you, school mm-hmm. finishes uh, the, officially what, in May? Yes, in May. May 5th is our official graduation date. So what are your, your kids all cougs then, big cougar fans? They don't have a choice at this point. They might make a different decision later on, and I can't help that. But for now, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is the what is the 
the message that you have for folks listening in the Tri-Cities tonight about what this program is doing and producing? We all know that there is a healthcare workforce shortage, and, and I know you're doing your part, but, but what does it mean to you to be a part of that? And especially, what was it like going through COVID and going to med school? Oh, gosh, COVID and med school, that was that was a huge challenge. It really changed kind of a lot of my expectations um, for uh, just kind of what to what was there and how I was going to work in the scene as a student. Um, and then I think sort of future healthcare expectations. You know, I don't think the, the mask piece in healthcare is going to go away anytime soon. I think it's really going to change and affect how we live and work for a long time. Um, but I am so excited to come to Tri-Cities and be a part of the community there. You know, the mission of CADLEC is to prepare physicians to be leaders in the practice of comprehensive and compassionate family medicine. And yes, I am reading that because it's just, it fits what I want to bring and it fits my mission. And I'm just really excited to get to be a part of that. Well, what a great uh, match for Cadillac as well. I want to thank you for taking the time, Dr. Sarah Fielding, a Sunnyside High grad. I guess you're your Sunnyside gra- Grizzly graduate? Actually, no, I was homeschooled. Oh, you were? Okay, but you, you claim Sunnyside, though, still. But tremendous uh, opportunity, and, and we're so excited to have you come to the Tri-Cities, and we look forward to meeting you and your family and your husband. And we thank him for his support uh, as you get ready to come down here and spend uh, three years, uh, the next three years here in the Tri-Cities. Dr. Sarah Fielding, one of the eight new Cadillac residents that will be starting their three-year residency program this, uh, uh, this coming summer. Sarah, thanks for joining us and have a great night. Good luck the rest of the school year. Thank you very much, Jim, and you have a wonderful evening. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Dr. Sarah Fielding from Washington State University Medical School. Back with our final minutes right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. It's been an educational night for me on Cadillac On Call as we are visiting with some of the newest family medicine residents at Catholic Regional Medical Center. These are physicians about to be finalized their medical school, and they will then be coming to the Tri-Cities to spend three years serving in a residency, and then they will begin their full physician careers after that three-year residency. And we're pleased to welcome another one of the new, uh, one of the new eight residents that will be coming to Catholic this coming summer, and that's Dr. Vishal Katapali. And he is calling in tonight from uh, suburban Portland, Oregon. Well, Dr. Katapali, first of all, congratulations and thank you for taking some time to be with us. And and uh, what's what's your first reaction about once you found out you get to come to the Tri-Cities and most importantly, find out where you're going to be doing your residency training? Uh, thanks for having me, Jim. Yeah, it was a great experience. Um, I actually uh, came down to came up to the Tri-Cities area in January to do uh, what was called the sub-I rotation. And I got to know all of the um, you know, faculty and a lot of the residents during my time with the program. I was there for about four weeks. Um, so, um, you know, going into the match process, we obviously have no idea, you know, where we're going to end up. Um, you just rank them. And I'm really, I put Catholic really high up on my list because of the great experience I had with the residency program. And I feel like I'd get a great, uh, I would have a great time over the next two years if I were to end up here. And I'm very thankful that um, this is where I ended up. So I'm uh, really excited 
you know, to come to up there in, uh, in, in June and start residency. The question I always ask when I get to the opportunity to visit with new physicians and soon-to-be residents, uh, did you always want to be a physician? And, and if not, what, what, what led you to become a, wanting to become a doctor? Yeah, so um, medicine was one of the things I was looking into uh, since I was in high school. Um, I was just kind of interested. I enjoyed my biology classes, and uh, that's kind of what first got me into the medicine field. Um, and then I, one of my first experiences kind of working in the healthcare field was working as a pharmacy technician. Um, so with that experience, I was able to network, and I was able to get a lot of uh, uh, experiences shadowing different medical professionals, such as pharmacists and uh, physicians and other health and nurses and other healthcare professionals. And uh, through my time working in, uh, you know, um, in, in healthcare environment and shadowing different professionals, I really enjoyed my time working with the physicians more than other professions. And I feel like um, it was a great fit for me. Um, and then one of my mentors um, as an undergrad was a family doctor, um, Dr. Rodriguez. Um, and he uh, was someone who uh, really inspired me to, you know, continue to go into this field. And uh, my time in medical school, I met a lot of other family physicians who were great uh, inspirations for me, and that helped me continue to decide that this was the right field for me in medicine, um, and I'm glad to be here. And you went through your medical school training during the pandemic. That just had to be yet another, do you get like an extra uh, an extra DO behind your name for having gone through <laughs> the, the, the medical school through a pandemic? What was that like? Yeah, it was very interesting. You know, um, I was in the middle of my rotation and then um, kind of all of a sudden, you know, people weren't really sure exactly um, how serious uh, the thing was. So um, I was assuming that, you know, we, I didn't realize we were going to get pulled off of our rotation until it really happened. And uh, it was kind of a little whirlwind kind of trying to decide, I mean, figure out what was going to happen um, after that. Um, and uh, thankfully, I was able to network with a lot of uh, different doctors in the area and uh, thankfully, um, you know, they put uh, places, put protocols in place in order to make it safe for students to get back into the rotation. So I was able to not be interrupted too much uh, regarding my rotations that I need to do from, needed to do for medical school. Um, but, yeah, it was just a, an interesting experience. Um, and then obviously, like, the, the way we provide care has obviously has changed quite a bit um, since the pandemic began. And it's been uh, great learning more about um, kind of how we adapted to you know, the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful, hopefully, you know, uh, it's something that's going to be uh, behind us, but, um, you know, some might be something that we have to continue to deal with moving forward. Did you get quite proficient at telemedicine? Um, yeah, I know I did have uh, several experiences, um, you know, throughout my rotations in telemedicine. Um, so yeah, it did, it was, it was kind of, a. A new a new skill that we were able to learn uh, through the pandemic is that you know I don't know how many medical students have the experience working with telemedicine um, prior to the pandemic, but ever since uh, you know COVID happened, a lot of patients opted for that for um, safety reasons, and uh, it's also uh, convenient for a lot of patients as well. And I think that that's been a a great tool that we could offer patients, um, you know, uh, with telemedicine, and it's been really. Um, but yeah, definitely, it was able to, um, you know, you, uh, use that quite a bit during the last few years. We have just a minute or so left. Uh, what's the single biggest thing you're looking forward to about becoming a physician and, and fulfilling your dream of becoming a doctor? Yeah, uh, the single most uh, thing I'm looking forward to is just uh, getting able to, you know, develop a meaningful relationship with a lot of my patients that I'm going to see. Um, I think that's one of the reasons that one of the things that sets family medicine apart from other 
uh, specialities that we're able to build strong relationships with our patients. Um, and that's something I look forward to doing in the Tri-Cities area. I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of the residents I'm going to be working with over the last next few years, over the next few years. I'm just getting to meet people and develop strong relationships with uh, you know, my colleagues and uh, patients um, and also, you know, learning a lot as well. So those are big things for me. And I know uh, Dr. Luera was on earlier in our program and talked a little bit of the, the breadth of training that you get in your residency. You end up over the course of that three years, obviously seeing patients, but uh, take 30 seconds of you with the other piece. You get to see all parts of the hospital too, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the beauties about family medicine is that, you know, we, we have really broad training, um, and that's something I'm really looking forward to. Um, you know, I've seen family medicine doctors work in various different settings, whether it was in a hospital setting, in an outpatient community setting. Some uh, family docs do obstetrics. Um, others do, um, you know, different types of – it's a really broad field, and that's one of the things I'm excited for learning about, um, broadening my experience and getting a wide range of experiences during uh, during residency so I could help, uh, you know, figure out exactly what, how I wanted my uh, practice to be moving forward. Well, you passed your first test. <laughs> Good luck with the rest <laughs> of your uh, finishing off your, your medical degree, and uh, we look forward to – meeting you when you come to the Tri-Cities and uh, helping uh, all of the patients that will become your patients uh, during the course of your residency. Dr. Vishal Katapali, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to all of our guests tonight for listening, and thank you. We'll be back again next week.